Welcome to Mostly Bravo, a pop culture and reality TV podcast diving deep into the shows we all secretly love. Each week, we'll be dissecting the juiciest drama from Bravo to Bachelor and beyond. We're your hosts, Bryce and Kate. Welcome back to Mostly Bravo, a show where we mostly talk about Bravo shows. We also talk about Bachelorette and Bachelor and some pop culture here and there. I am your host, Kate. Bryce could not be here today, so this will be a solo app. So get cozy and let's chat. I am recovering from a hangover. Um, I was on Zoom last night with some friends and I was just slugging back some rosé the whole time and it really affected me this morning (laughs) and all day. I just had a really good Cuban sandwich and um, tater tots dipped in ranch as well as a Dr. Pepper and that really rejuvenated me. I feel much better now. Um, So now that you know where I'm at, which is definitely like a place of tot, um, place of tater tot, I will get started. Um, Lucy is here somewhere. Actually, I don't know where she is. I think she's in my bed. She's my chihuahua is basically a teenager like she loves sleeping she's really lazy she just snuggles in my bed or in the piles of clothes on my floor constantly it's kind of adorable um okay let's get started with a little bit of news this week in the bravo world um As I'm recording this, it is with a heaviness in my heart because our dear, dear Jiggy has passed today. Lisa shared on her Instagram that Jiggy has died. Um, Many were unsure if he had been dead for the past few years and they were simply carrying around a stuffed version of him. But it turns out he has, in fact, been alive up until recently. He did pass. Um, This is so sad. I mean, Jiggy is iconic. Jiggy is beloved by everyone, I think, in the Bravo world with his wiry hair and his expensive outfits. I mean, this dog definitely has more money than me or had. Um, And, you know, he was, he was just such an essential part of Lisa Vanderpump and her whole family. And it's very, very sad. It's a sad day. Um, We still, speaking of Lisa Vanderpump, we still don't know if Vanderpump Rules is canceled. I'm sorry, but it needs, I think it needs to go. Um, (laughs) It just can't be. I, I feel that if they keep it going, it will become so forced and fake, faker than it's ever been. And I just think that there are new thirsty people that we can be focusing our efforts on here. And with the exception of Tom and Ariana, James Kennedy, Raquel, and Sheena, I mean, those are people that I would care to see on the show again. But, um, you know, I'm fine. I'm fine without it. I haven't, I don't think about it. Um, every, every good thing has to come to an end. And I think these people have made it clear that they are done throwing drinks in each other's faces and drinking themselves into oblivion on TV anyway. (laughs) Um, 
so I say move on. Let's, you know, let's see some new people and we can always watch their lives on social media <laughs> as they sell us their flat tummy teas and uh, the lie that their relationships are great. Um, moving on, I really want to talk about this video that I watched last night on Dorinda's Instagram. Um, it was brought to my attention by some of my internet friends, and it's a very bizarre video of her daughter, Hannah. Um, she is wearing tights, black tights as pants, and she keeps talking about how much she loves her thigh gap. Um, she shows her but you can see her underwear through the tights and so she proceeds to give us a four minute long tutorial on how to cut off the top of your one of your old tank tops and wear it as a skirt and then layer a sweater into the mix and um it was just very strange. Um, DM me if you watch this video, what your reaction is, because it was just really like, I don't know. It was really strange to me. <laughs> it was really like unnecessary. And she says that she's hippie, like she has big hips and it's like, you're so thin like I don't know it it was strange um Dorinda's caption is my beautiful Hannah this reminds me of how I dressed in my early days in NYC young thin head to toe in black and ready to conquer the world now it's your turn Hannah Danger Lynch follow Hannah Danger Lynch for more fun videos okay <laughs> Why are you pushing Hannah Danger Lynch on me, Dorinda? I don't need this tutorial, Dorinda. Ugh. Ugh. Although I will say, making, cutting a tank top and making it a skirt is something that I would have done in high school and thought I was like so cool. And I think that's what's weird about it is I think she's like in her mid 20s and I'm just like, this feels juvenile and unnecessary and I don't know I mean no shade to her it just I didn't really get this video or why it exists okay um let's get into the recap shall we um so today I will be recapping Potomac Salt Lake City Bachelorette and Atlanta uh, I will not be recapping OC or Southern Charm because there's only so many hours in a damn week, okay? And that's just a lot of fucking TV, and I couldn't get to those. And let's be honest, they're on the low end of my uh, list of priorities. Watching Real Housewives of Orange County is just kind of falling to the wayside as we get more and more better content on our screens. I mean, Atlanta's back. Like I'm definitely going to watch Atlanta over fucking Shannon Bedore squawking about COVID. No, thank you. Um, I'm sure I'll catch some of the episodes of OC at some point, but, um, not today, my friends. Okay. Let's talk about bachelorette. Let's just get bachelorette out of the way here before we dive into Bravo. Not to say that I don't want to talk about Bachelorette, because I do. So Taisha is still on her two-on-one date with Bennett and Noah. She is confronting them about this childish rivalry that they have, and she's wondering why there's always drama with them, and she wants the attention to be on developing a relationship with her instead of this petty drama. And... um she ends up having one-on-one -on -one moments with each of them and 
she basically is really pissed off at Bennett because she is saying that this was kind of a reach I thought but she was saying that because he told Noah that he had zero chance of ending up with her Bennett was questioning her judgment and not trusting that she knows what's best for herself and I was like okay I mean I really don't think that was his intention when he said that but go off um and then he gives this emotional intelligence speech and it's like we get it Bennett you went to college like shut up about emotional intelligence and then she talks to Noah I thought she was a lot easier on Noah he was definitely more likable in this moment but then my feelings changed because she walked Bennett out and after she kicked him off and Noah was so smart me about it. He had such a shitty grin. She came in and she's like, why are you smiling? And she doesn't give him the rose in that moment. And she talked about how she's not so sure that he's ready for marriage, which he's 25. And to me, he seems like kind of a young 25 as well. He doesn't seem very mature to me. And, um, I just don't really like his vibe to be honest. So Bennett has left the building and, um, then, Oh, and let's not forget, before she comes in the room, Noah does eat about 12 TikToks. Um, Riley gives her a cake to celebrate their one-week anniversary, and it's just insane to me that they've been seeing each other a week, and then hometowns are coming up so soon. Like, it just feels like she's had no time with these men. And then she's going to get proposed to at the end. It just, it's very fast. So she has a cute cake moment with him. And then um, Zach C. brings her their wedding photo. Um, Really, I really don't get this fake wedding they did. I think it's strange. Then um, she's talking to Brendan. The thing about Brendan is he is absolutely emotionless in his face when he talks. But I like him. (laughs) He has this deadpan way of talking. And it always shocks me when he breaks out into a big smile because it's like, oh, my God, Brendan's showing emotion. Um, but he just has something intense about him that I like. He has kind of sexual energy. Um, I truly keep forgetting about Ed. (laughs) Every time they cut to Ed, I'm like, what the fuck? He's still here. How is he still here? I feel like he never gets any camera time. And then he just pops up and he's still hanging on um of course he does get eliminated this episode thank god I was just like why are you here um and then they're at the rose ceremony and Noah gets a rose over Spencer which I just happen to think Spencer is super cute and he seems really sweet and I'm kind of over Noah. Um, I don't know. He just seems like a fuck boy to me. He seems like a child, not a child, but he seems really immature and he doesn't seem to me like he's actually super into this whole thing of like getting engaged to Tasha. Then Ben gets a one-on-one. Um, he's, really sweet I love him 
he opens up about having commit or uh, attempted suicide. I think two, two separate occasions because she's really pushing him during the dinner segment of the date to open up. And she's like, I feel like I like you, but I don't know enough about you. And I feel like you're always trying to put off this perfect, you know, vibe that everything in your life is perfect and you're perfect. And I want to know what's beneath the surface, like what is going on with you truly. And he definitely lets her in, you know, he tells her about this dark time in his life and how he's talking about how his sister was, has always been there for him and she's the reason he's here today. And it was a very raw moment and I think it brought them closer together. And again, he is such a sweetie in my eyes. Zach, meanwhile, is sobbing to the guys about his parents, which I found to be relatable. (laughs) If I talk about my parents too much, I too will start crying. So I understood this. He's still... I don't know. Bryce really likes Zach C. And I like him, but... There's something off to me. There's something in his eyes that his eyes are so intense and not in like a sexy Brendan way. It's more like, like a, like a desperate way. Ugh, I'm not articulating this well. There's just something off with him to me. They, the guys take a lie detector test And it's revealed, OMG, Zach has cheated before. And then it turns out that he, it was a kiss in sixth grade. So ha ha ha, who cares? It was sixth grade, blah, blah, blah. Ivan is also such a sweetie. I just love his energy. Riley shares his name change slash family history um, he changed his name to kind of distance himself from his father and um, it's it's nice to see him opening up. Ry- Riley's a good guy, I think, as far as I can tell. I was a little confused about why Taisha was wearing a wedding dress at the, towards the end of the episode, but she looked amazing. She looks amazing in everything she wears. She has perfect breasts. She's got a perfect face. I mean, she's gorgeous. She doesn't give the rose, a rose out, uh, during the group date. She says she wants to really think things over. And then she's walking back to her room. She opens the door. She opens the gate to her yard or whatever. And Bennett is back, baby. He says he loves her. He says he's sorry that he ever insinuated that she doesn't have good judgment. And he says he wants to lay it all out on the table for her. And she brings him back. I mean, we saw in the preview that he walks into the guy's house and they are all shocked to see him. I, for one, am really glad that Bennett's back. I think he's great TV. And I I don't know. I know he's condescending to people, and that's not an attractive thing. But he also makes me laugh. So I'm kind of okay with him being on my TV. So that wraps up The bachelor Bachelorette this week. It was an okay episode. I'm excited to see next week. And to see who goes home. I mean, I feel like she'll probably keep Bennett around. Like, if she's bringing him back, she's not going to eliminate him <laughs> the first night that he's back. Um, I don't know. I'm, I, I, I'm really not sure who she's going to eliminate. Because she's seemingly into all of them at this point. 
I feel like maybe she's not as close with like Ivan. Maybe he'll go. He's such a sweetheart. I hope not. Um, I feel like she hasn't, I haven't seen much of Blake recently, but he's still there. So maybe he'll go. Who knows? We'll find out. There's two episodes airing this week on Monday and Tuesday. So it'll be interesting to see what happens. Okay, let's move on to Real Housewives of Potomac. So this was the season finale. We have a very exciting looking reunion coming up for that. I believe it's a three-parter. So that will be really fun to watch. I think these ladies are not afraid to get wild at these reunions. We see that Monique has an entire binder of receipts that she brings out, so that's great. Okay, so we start the episode. Monique is at the therapist. She's opening up about how her in her childhood she first went to a predominantly white school and she says people didn't hang out with her because she was black and she had a hard time fitting in there. And then she went, she switched schools and went to a predominantly black school and she didn't fit in there because they said her and her sister talked too proper or something. So, um, you know, that I feel for Monique, there's definitely deep-seated issues there, but this is just such a hard season to watch. That's not true. It's very easy to watch. It's very good. But it's it's hard to, like, be firmly on one side or the other because they've both done things wrong and... It's like the more I read about their fight and their feud, the more confused I get. And I don't know. I was reading this week stuff about Monique and how she has some really out there beliefs. She apparently is like QAnon, if that's how you say that. Um, And someone compiled this collage of Monique's social media and things that she's liked on social media and it really was like okay yeah I don't think I really stand Monique I have at times but I I honestly I try not to stand any housewife because you just never know when they're gonna you're gonna find something out about them or they're gonna do something that you know you can't stand them anymore although I do stand Sonia Morgan (laughs) I can't I can't not um so Ashley continues to try to convince us that Michael is a good person she brings up Juan and how he's going to propose to Robin at this party and Michael says he knows something and that there's no way that Juan will propose just right off the bat he is super anti this engagement and I want to know what he knows he's being very secretive about it And I want to know what him and Juan get up to when they go out by themselves. And I feel like it's not good stuff. Candace and her mom get manicures. And Candace starts kind of laying the groundwork for her having a baby storyline that I'm sure is coming next season or something. She... Uh, she's moving and they want to have room for kids in their new house and blah, blah, blah. Karen is going to HSN to advertise LaDom. And she has, she shows us the text messages that she sent Candace and Monique 
telling them when they should arrive. And according to the texts, she didn't arrange for them to come there at the same time. But Candace is saying that there was a phone call where she did tell them, tell Candace to come earlier. And it was just the fact that Candace was late that caused Candace and Monique to not run into each other. So we'll talk about that later, but the ladies are fed up with Miss Karen and her constant stretching of the truth and covering her ass and lying. And so then Juan and Robin go to head to therapy and we hear their entire love story and they met in high school and Juan's parents had passed away recently and so Robin's family really took Juan in and um, basically became his family too and they got married young they had these young children Juan was in the NBA and he wasn't around that much when the kids were younger and Robin was doing a lot of the heavy lifting as far as raising them and she Juan says that she wasn't giving him what he needed to feel appreciated and he didn't have they didn't have the romance anymore and so that caused him to have these emotional and physical sexual whatever affairs and they've been through a lot and it seems like it's it's all very painful you know all the money things and the cheating and him being gone I mean it's a lot and they've come a long way I mean we see Juan propose this episode and you can just tell they really have real love for each other. I hope that the rumors aren't true about Juan. Like, I really hope that he doesn't cheat on her anymore because I love Robin and no one deserves that, you know. So we'll see. We'll see how this second marriage works out for them. Hopefully, hopefully it goes well. I... So, okay, so everyone is arriving to Robin and Juan's holiday party. Um, Giselle's man is not present. <laughs> and Jamal and Michael is very mouthy right off the bat. He's causing drama. He's drinking and being sassy about everyone. The girls think Karen is lying about her flight being delayed because she wants to avoid conversation about Monique and Candace. Um, Giselle talks to Michael and he says that Juan is not proposing. He says he talked to Juan and asked him if he was going to propose or is this a big night or whatever and Juan was like oh no nothing's going on and I don't know maybe Juan just didn't want anyone else to know besides Giselle he wanted to keep it a secret so that because if he went around talking about it to people then there's a chance that Robin would hear someone talking about it that's my theory but Michael seems to think that there's no way it's going to happen. Sorry, I just, I just farted. I hope you guys couldn't hear it. Okay. Um, Charisse shows up and Candace sings. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, my God. Oh. <gasps> People politely m- nod. Her mu- the music isn't playing at first, so she's singing a cappella and everyone's like, "Okay." And then the music k- kicks in and it, and it sounds a lot better. 
Robin keeps pointing out that it's an open bar, which is hilarious because earlier in the season, Candace and her man had that party that was a cash bar and uh, it was like a celebration of their anniversary or whatever and they had a cash bar. So Robin keeps being like, it's on me. It's an open bar. <laughs> open bar tonight, people. Which I love. Um, okay, so Juan proposes and Wendy goes off. I love how excited Wendy is. She's jumping up and down. <laughs> they have to like get sorry, I have to sneeze, I think. Okay, excuse me bless me so yeah they have to get wendy to like scoot back because they're all trying to take video of robin and wendy is like all in the mix dancing around she's so excited it was super cute and then <laughs> giselle says were you just hating because you want Juan all to yourself <laughs> about michael and as we know, he made the dick comment last season, and it's highly speculated that that was about Juan. There's a weird toast that Juan and Michael make, and Michael's like, yeah, we're going to go to Las Vegas for the bachelor party. Just me and you, no cameras. And it's like, Michael, are you trying to look creepy? Karen shows up. Karen says, this is a great moment for Robin. And Robin don't get a lot of moments. And I was like, ugh, rude. Robin is the main character in her own life. So we all get a lot of moments. Okay. They call Karen out. So everyone, they're all sitting down. And they start calling Karen out about setting Candace up at the wig party and Karen's not having it. She says, I have the text. I would never intentionally ambush Candace. And she keeps saying, you know, I'm on both of your sides. I'm both of your friends. And Candace freaks out and yells at Karen for siding with Monique. And Karen is saying, oh, well, we'll see. We'll see what's true and what's not. And Candace is like, you were there. You saw it. You saw what happened. And then, you know, things escalate to, to yelling. And Michael tells, uh, Michael tells, uh, fuck, why am I fucking brain farting right now? Candace is Chris. Sometimes I have a hard time like remembering the husband's names. Yeah. Okay. So Michael tells Chris that he needs to control his wife. And this just escalates. And Chris ends up like gently with the back of his hand pushing Michael backwards. And Michael is yelling, he touched me, he touched me, bold, you bold-headed fuck. And he, it, it's just seriously wasn't aggress that aggressive. Like, yeah, he was pushing him back, but he wasn't hurting him, you know. It's just like, get out of my space, basically. And he says... Ashley runs up and she's like, what's going on? And he's like, that I don't even know his name, that unsuccessful businessman. I'm a successful businessman. You can't touch me like that. I'm a successful businessman. He touched me. He touched me. And it's like, oh, the irony of this, the hypocrisy of this. Oh, is that is that right, uh, Michael? You don't like someone touching you without permission? huh, I wonder what you were doing then when you grabbed the cameraman's butt. Oh, touching someone without permission. Got it. 
you're going to jail. Hope you like jail because you're going to jail. I'm calling my lawyer. Then, after that, well, Candace and her husband, they get, like, escorted out by security, basically. And then, once they're gone, Michael takes off his mic, tells Ashley to take off her mic, and then he goes to, like, the production bay and starts going off on the producers. Why are you going to have that trashy man around me? He touched me. He's going to jail. And he's just very, very aggressive. Ashley is like, stop, stop, stop. She's trying to stop him. He like flings her arm away very aggressively and just keeps yelling at production. And she's like, they're doing their job. And she's like, I'm embarrassed of you right now. And he storms off and... God, it was horrible. It was just like, if this is how this man behaves on camera, can you imagine how horrible he is off camera? I mean, the things he must say to Ashley and to everyone, I can't even imagine. This guy is trash. Bold-headed, unsuccessful businessman. Like, you're bald <laughs> and your restaurant failed. <laughs> Ugh. So there's like this horrible scene of Michael and Ashley, you know, fighting. And then the Chiron comes up about like what they're up to now. And it's like, they went on vacation to the Bahamas the next day. And they're pregnant with baby number two. She says their bond is stronger than ever. And it's like, girl, Ashley, what are you doing? I really hope that she leaves him after this second baby is born. And I want to see single Ashley. I want to see her get the man of her dreams. Because Michael ain't it. Okay. He's mean. He's inappropriate. I'm I'm over him. I'm over it. Okay. So that was Potomac. It was a very exciting finale. And like I said, the reunion looks fantastic. I cannot wait to watch it. So next, we shall talk about Salt Lake City. So we opened the episode and we're still at Mary's Luncheon. <laughs> I can't with this luncheon. Everything about it makes me laugh. And so where we cut off last episode is that the women are going in a circle and basically speaking their truth, telling something about themselves to the other women. It's a moment for them to get vulnerable. And at the beginning of this exercise, Mary had said, like, no one gets to say anything about what you say. Like, this is your time to just have uninterrupted speech. Like, you can you can go for it. And so, you know, they went around the circle, and then it's on Jen, and she is getting emotional and telling the women that the reason that she acts the way that she does is because of where she came from, having a humble beginning, and the hardships that she's been through make her take her friendships really seriously, and so when something goes wrong, she freaks out. And Mary is not having it because Jen takes this time to apologize to Meredith, but doesn't apologize to Mary Because as you will remember, she screamed (laughs) at the party. Jen screamed, you're going to go hang out with her? Mary, who fucks her grandpa? And everyone heard this. And it was very embarrassing for Miss Mary. And she wants an apology. And she's not getting it. And so she asks for this apology. And Jen freaks out. And Mary calls her a hoodlum, 
which then sparks Jen into bringing up this 7-Eleven comment that Mary supposedly made um, at her at Jen's house. Mary said that she hates going to convenience stores and if she sees a 7-Eleven and there's black people out front, she goes to a different 7-Eleven. So that's a horrible thing to say and you know, a crazy thing to say as a black person, I wouldn't expect you to say something like that. And so Jen, you know, she takes this time to call this story out. You can tell she's had it in her back pocket waiting to whip it out at the right time. And she gets kicked out of the lunch by Mary. And then, so she's leaving with her big fur coat and of course, um, Heather goes after her and gets her to come back in and she wants there to be peace in the friend group. Um, and Mary, <laughs> this, this was my favorite exchange of the whole episode. Mary says, Walter is upset. Who's like I I guess like the owner of this restaurant and he's this old decrepit man and he's like standing <laughs> he's standing to the side of the table just looking at them and they cut to him and he's just staring like what the fuck are these people talking about and then Jen goes. <laughs> And then Jen goes, you're not the only person who knows Walter, okay? <laughs> like, you're not cool because you know Walter. I also know Walter. <sighs> oh, that took me out. Heather has, so, yeah, okay. So, yeah, the luncheon just ends horribly. Jen leaves again, and it's just like nothing got solved. And I'm like, what are you going to do with that journal that has her name on it? Like... <laughs> I would have been taking those gifts with me on my way out if I was Jen. I would have been like, um, yeah, I'm going to take these Louis Vuitton AirPods. Okay, so Heather has a cute scene with her daughters and they talk about how they are not so much into the religion anymore. Um, they talk about like skipping church the next day. And one of Heather's daughters has a boyfriend of two years with a very cool slicked back hairstyle. And they are, uh, they're really cute. And Heather was like, oh, I love how you guys go out and do things. Her last boyfriend, I would just take her to his house to watch movies. And as we all know, watching movies means making out. So, yeah, that was a cute scene. I continue to love Heather. Then we have a very tense conversation between Seth and Meredith in the car. I thought that she was driving and picking him up, and then I realized that her hands weren't on the wheel, and they were getting driven by a driver. So, basically, Seth wants to move the family to Ohio and she's really opposed to the idea. She doesn't want to move to Ohio and we find out that they have uprooted their lives multiple times, like every few years. She's had to like uproot her business and move it to a different city or town and move her children and it sounds like a tough thing. I mean, there's obviously worse problems to have than like, oh no, we have to move um, to a different city. But I get it. I mean, she she likes Salt Lake City. She's on a show in Salt Lake City and her business is going well and she doesn't want to move to a small town in Ohio. I mean, I get it. I I can say that because I am from a small town in Iowa and I can totally understand if you live in a cool city and you love being there and then your significant other is randomly like, let's move to 
Iowa or let's move to Ohio. Let's move to South Dakota. And you're just like, I'm good on that. You know, like I don't, I don't want to. Um, so they're going to have to come to some sort of compromise, but things are just so freaking tense between them at this point. I really don't know if their marriage is going to work out. So then we have a scene of Jen at her desk and she is talking to coach Shaw. I love coach Shaw. I need a phone call from him every day to like inspire me in my life and get out of bed and like be a human being. So she's basically downloading him on the drama of the luncheon and she's bringing up the racial stuff that Mary said about 7-Elevens and Coach Shaw basically is like, we just need to rise above and, you know, be the bigger person. She says, oh, I'm going to kill her with kindness. And I was like, no, you're not. <laughs> you're going to continue fighting with her for sure. Um. Okay. So then we have a scene with Whitney and she is doing jujitsu with her brother. They talk about their dad a lot. We find out that Whitney's parents each had two children of their own from previous marriages when they got together and then they had two children of their own. So it's a blended family and she said after they divorced the relationships between some of the siblings kind of crumbled um but she basically the bottom line is she has been the child i believe the only child out of all of them to really support her to continue to support her dad through his addiction and she's you know, paid for rehab and let him stay with her. And now he's at the point where he's going to, he's uh, checking himself into a sober living house. And so we see her dropping her dad off later in the episode at the sober living facility. And it all seems very positive. I mean, he seems like he's in a good place and, he really wants to better his life and um, he does seem really close with Whitney and grateful for Whitney. So it's very, it's touching to see that relationship on screen. Lisa's kid, I think his name's Henry. He's having his birthday party at the bowling alley and this kid has a lot of energy he's bouncing off the walls man he (laughs) he gets a strike and he's like oh my god I got a strike like he's just being like such a spazzy kid and I it was funny and then she tells us this is I'm so busy with Sundance and work all the time. And so this is one day where he has 100% of my attention. And then <laughs> cut to her talking to her husband about Meredith's marriage for like 20 minutes. And the kid is just like off doing his own thing. Then we get another tense Meredith Seth moment. It seems like she just picked him up from the airport and now he's already leaving again. And he ends up crying and saying he doesn't want to be separated. And she holds his face and she's like, I do love you. And they hug and it just seems like a complicated relationship right now. And Heather and Mary get dinner and Mary says that Jen is jealous of her and she says it has something to do with her being black, which was an interesting spin on things because, you know, we have Jen bringing up Mary saying this awful thing about 7-Elevens and 
then we have Mary saying that Jen doesn't like to see her being a successful black woman. So uh, I really don't think their fight is going to get solved anytime soon. Next week, we have Lala Kent and Katie Maloney Schwartz in Salt Lake City. And I'm excited, honestly. It'll be interesting to see them out of their element and interacting with all these new people. And I think I remember seeing on someone's stories at the time that it happened and the party just looked really crazy and like everyone was getting wasted. And so I'm interested to see what happens. Okay, let's move on to our final show for the day, Real Housewives of Atlanta. I love these women. I was so happy to have them on my screen again. We start the episode with a Black Lives Matter segment. This was filmed in uh, early summer, I think. And, of course, that was when all of the peaceful protesting was going on following George Floyd's murder and Breonna Taylor's murder. And I got chills watching this segment that they put together. It was very powerful to see all of the footage from the, the protests. Cynthia has the girls over to her driveway and she has the titties out to play. Okay. And it was really nice to hear Cynthia talking about COVID weight. And later in the episode, Kenya talks about COVID weight. And I was like, oh, I'm so glad we're talking about this on TV because I too have gained a lot of COVID weight and it's really frustrating. It's really jarring to suddenly gain a ton of weight. And I mean, it's been a journey. I thought I had thyroid problems or something, but I got tested for it and I don't. So it's just a weight gain. Marlo is iconic. She arrives with a face cover one of the clear like face coverings on and she takes their temperatures before she will enter the premises and once they're sitting down at the table she whips out a tape measure to make sure that they are fully six feet apart she's so extra and I love her for it then we see Kenya again and she is not doing very well she's in the car talking to her friend about her marriage um her and her husband are separated at this point but I mean they're definitely going to get a divorce and so she's meeting with her uh lawyer to talk about what is entailed with everything and he tells her that they need to think about like the cu- what the custody agreement is going to be with baby Brooklyn. And she says that he never like ha- takes her for the night by himself, that she is the only person that takes care of the baby. So he really shouldn't have very much custody of her. We see footage of Portia protesting She makes a video before they go out to protest saying basically like I would never take my life and if something happens to me, it's the police's fault. And like I said, just it's super powerful to watch and I'm so happy and proud of Portia for her journey and to see her really like sticking up for her community is amazing. Then we have a scene with Candy and Riley and they're washing Riley's car. Well, Todd is. And basically Candy talks about how her ex Riley's father 
has not been paying child support for, I think it was four years. And so he now owes a hundred thousand dollars in back pay for child support. And they're definitely pursuing it. And I, I just love to see candy pursuing this, even though she definitely doesn't need the money. Candy is rich as fuck, but it's what she deserves. Like her and Riley deserve to have, especially Riley, like Riley deserves to have what she get, what she's owed. And she is going to live in NYC. So that hundred K will really come in handy. That should last, I don't know, six months in NYC. I hear it's pricey. Portia is, oh, sorry. I lost my spot. Uh, okay. So, oh, and then Riley is talking about like whether she cares to even have a relationship with her father at this point she's like I don't really actually need him in my life so I might not talk to him and so they kind of debate that I mean I think maybe when she gets older she will want to talk to him more but if he's not making an effort to reach out and talk to her and be in her life, then I don't think she, I don't think the onus should be on her to like make the relationship happen because she's the kid. Like he should be wanting to have a strong relationship with his daughter. So hopefully he is making the effort to get closer with Riley Candy tells us that she has had to clean her own house because her uh, her cleaning lady has not been coming over because of COVID. And I was like, yeah, I relate to this because my cleaning lady also has not been over ever because I can't afford a cleaning lady. And so my apartment is constantly very dirty so I was like I feel you girl on not having a cleaning lady it sucks Kenya talks about Mark to Cynthia and Candy and they really want her to move on they don't think that there is a marriage anymore like that is worth saving and they can just see how unhappy she is and so they want her to leave him and live her best life without him because he's not making any effort. I mean, it's kind of like Riley's dad, right? It's like no effort is being made. So why should I be the one like doing everything and fighting for this when you don't even care? Cynthia is planning her COVID wedding. (laughs) God, she really wants to get married on 10, 10, 20, which I agree, it's a very pleasing number. But as we saw it play out on social media, she definitely had a huge wedding during COVID and a lot of people weren't wearing masks. So that's not so cool. Mike Hill is down to have a tiny wedding. He's like, we can get married on 10, 10, 20 and then just have a party later on once COVID is over. So he's being very sensible about it, but she has it in her mind. Like she's determined to have this huge wedding. And we saw in the preview for the season, like this becomes a huge point of contention between them. We see him like grab the car camera and shut it off. So Portia got arrested. Uh, The cops yell at the cameraman and she is in jail for 13 hours. She says that she'll never be the same after that experience of being in that jail cell with those other, I think she said like 30 women they, she said they all really opened up to each other and basically bonded. They became bonded due to this experience. And I got chills again. I mean, I I don't know what else to say. It's just very, it's 
like I said earlier, it's just very powerful to see this all play out. Okay, so that wraps up Atlanta. The season preview looked really good. We have Stripper Gate. We have more protests. We have a wedding. We have a divorce. We have child support payments that need to be paid. We've got it all. I'm so excited for the stripper drama and Tanya, her her potential involvement. (coughs) Excuse me. That will be so juicy. So that is that. That's all the shows for this week. Thanks for hanging in there with me. Thanks for listening. I love you all. And you can follow us on Instagram at Mostly Bravo. And stay tuned. We will be starting a Patreon soon. And we're super excited about it. It's going to be really amazing content on there. So we will keep you up to date with where we're at with that. And once we launch it and everything, you will definitely know. And that's another reason you should follow us on Instagram. So you are up to date with everything going on with us. Okay. Have a good rest of your weekend. And we will talk to you next week. Bye.